Welcome to the Financial Advisors Workshop, where we will be interviewing some of the most successful financial advisors in America to hear exactly what strategies and tactics they use to grow their practice to 100 million and beyond. So our biggest goal here with this podcast is to help you grow your financial advisor practice. So thanks everybody for tuning in and let's jump into the interview. Hey, welcome everybody back to an outdoor version of the Financial Advisors Workshop. I'm Brian Castle, your host, and I'm here on, this is Adam Street in downtown Chicago. I'm outside. It's been raining. It's a little sweaty, uh, but nonetheless, behind me is the famous LaSalle Street, and over here is further downtown and into uh, Michigan Avenue and Millennium Park, so we're out here uh, right on the street, but we're going we're gonna to have a conversation with a really interesting gentleman today, another great member of, of our industry, Brandon Steele, and Brandon um welcome to the financial advisor workshop yeah thank you so much i don't have quite as exciting of a, a background but uh but i'm happy yeah, to be yeah. Here. well it's, it may be exciting it's a little sweaty too at the same time but nonetheless why don't we go for it uh well good so you have a really great practice you have 120 family or 200 250 families 120 million right and yep. uh you 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 uh have built it up quite nicely do some really interesting planning and digital marketing so could you just share with our group how you built your practice and how you got to where you are? Where did you start? And then how did it, how did it all develop? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess to go, go quite a ways back, when I was growing up, finances were not really a part of my family. Like it wasn't part of the discussion. It was not really a dinner table topic. Um, so I had to learn a lot of this stuff the hard way myself. Uh, went to school for economics and and honestly coming out of college I had no idea what I wanted to do but one of the first interviews I took was for a financial advisor role um, I learned that it is a lot of kind of this kneecap to kneecap you know really helping families and and right. helping them make wise decisions that was like it I knew that was that was where I was going so uh, so I actually right. started with MetLife's financial planning division back in 2011. And uh, it was great. I mean, they, they let us really do our thing. They let us really focus on holistic planning and, and it wasn't necessarily a product world. Uh, over the years, you may know from following the industry that uh, that, that shifted, let's say. Uh, and basically, we had to make a change. So we went independent in 2019, been independent since, obviously. Um, and it's just been, it's been night and day being able to, to make sure that we're fiduciaries all the time and really doing the right things for our clients has been amazing. <clears throat> so you said it was MetLife, but it was not a product approach. That's interesting. You would have yeah. thought that he says they have lots of products that they would have been pushing products. No, no go, right? Nope, nope. Uh, and again, over time, they were sold and there was, you know, some more of that that came into play. And that's that's when we decided it was time to, to move on, basically. Oh, okay. Well, great. So then you really got a fiduciary view of things, kind of, you got that in your heart and then you started your own practice. Tell us about that. Was it a traumatic thing to start out on your own or, or did it all go rosy and perfect? <laughs> I wish I could say it all went rosy and perfect. Uh, the good news is that all the clients came with us. So that was much easier wow. than I thought it would be. Great. The challenge was that uh, it happened that here in, in uh, I'm in Bellevue, Washington, near Seattle. And it happened that the day, so we left on a Friday and opened up shop on a Monday. And it happened that over that weekend, we got like a foot of snow. And around oh, here, good. that is a, a game changer. So we thought we were, yeah. you know, we had appointments set up. We thought we were gonna go take applications and uh, very quickly ran into a curveball there. So 
we figured out DocuSign very quickly. <laughs> yeah, you sit around here. Where are you? Tell everybody where you are. Yeah, we're in the greater Seattle area, Seattle, Washington. Okay. Um, just so across you, the lake over in Bellevue. Yeah, you don't do a lot of snow. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and a lot of hills. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Good. So all the, all the clients came. Uh, and then what did they come to? Where did you go? Uh, what what custody banks do you use? And Yeah, so originally we uh, we started out as an independent advisor with Commonwealth directly. Okay. Um, but we actually opened our own RIA on April 1st of this year in 2022. So um, we still partner with them. They still help us with our technology and some, some of that stuff. But um, but yeah, we officially made the change on, on April again to go a little more independent. So that seems pretty cooperative that Commonwealth would let you be an employee advisor there and then leave and, and they wouldn't give you a hard time. Yeah, so we still, um, there's still a little bit of, of revenue share with them for their technology stack and some things like that that we use. Um, so I think they're, they're happy. I think they realize that the, the, the future of the industry is, is going towards RIA. And so they really wanted to create the opportunity for their advisors to go that path without, you know, trying to, trying to wrestle that, that issue, if that makes sense. Great. Now, tell us about their technology stack. How does that look? Yeah, so we, they use uh, Advisor 360. I believe it's their proprietary stack. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm probably the last person to ask about technology. So I'll, I'll try and touch on it, but I'm not the best uh, with that side of it. But basically, I mean, the good news is that a lot of the trading, a lot of the CRM, like everything is kind of centralized. And so it helps a lot with some of the efficiencies in day-to-day -day operations. Okay, great. So you mentioned you do some planning. Let's talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So, so from day one, the reason I joined MetLife's financial planning division originally was for that, the reason I'd shared, like the, there was no, um, you know, there was no hawking of products. It was all about planning. It was all about the strategies and the mechanisms to help clients get where they want to go. So ever since I started in the industry, that has been the lead really. Um, you know, we do a lot of asset management, obviously, but but planning is where all that starts. And so, you, you know, sitting down with somebody for the first time, it's not necessarily about investments yet. It's really more about the planning and where they're trying to go and, you know, wh where things are at in their world, tax planning, all those different pieces, and then figuring out how we can help, you know, with the assets or whatever it might be from there. So, Brandon, why do you find planning to be such an important part of it? Can you do it without... I think we could. Yeah, I think I think we definitely could. Um, I think the reason it's important to me is based on my background, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, you know, just growing up without any of that knowledge, it it I think a lot of our process is around educating and empowering our clients to some degree. And don't get me wrong. Obviously, we could do that on just the investments, too. But for me, it's much more fulfilling to, to really round that out and make sure that, you know, all areas are, are being focused on through that process. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing. I just wanted to hear what your view of it was. The planning is really key for a fiduciary relationship. If you're really going to help people, uh, you really need to know a little bit about them. Absolutely. <laughs> now, one of the other aspects of planning that's often been cited is, gee, you also know where all their assets are. So has that helped you as well? Do you, do you find you get more assets by developing that or more control of the relationship? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think especially over the years as, 
some of the relationships that I have have gotten deeper and, and, you know, obviously there's trust being built and all that. I mean, that is, that has helped us significantly. We've, uh, we've almost doubled basically the last three years straight and a huge contributing factor to that is, you know, opportunities with existing clients that maybe had a rollover later on in life, or, uh, you know, to your point, we found out they had another account and maybe they weren't willing to move it yet, but, you know, built that trust and, and now here we are. Okay. Um, excellent. So um, how do you charge clients? So we charge, uh, there's a couple ways, actually. We still do some consulting um, where, where it makes sense. It's not our primary area, but, you know, some, especially we have, uh, so it's me and a partner, and then we have three advisors within our firm. And so we have some younger advisors as well. And, you know, it, it certainly is helpful to have that um, it, for some of their younger clients that they're working with. So we do some consulting, but mostly it's assets under management. So we'll charge a percentage of assets, obviously. And for that, uh, as long as the assets that we manage are over 500,000, it incorporates all of our planning services and, you know, all the, the, the full scope of, of service okay. that we offer. So, you know, most advisors base, but we've encountered on the financial advisors workshop, many subscription based advisors, but what you just said earlier is somewhat new that you do some consulting. So how do you, you must've done that at MetLife, of course. So um, how do you do consulting and have it as part of your practice? And what, what do you mean by consulting? Charge a fee for what do you, what do you do? Yeah, so, so generally, let, let's just go down the path of maybe a younger family and maybe all their assets are in a 401k or something where we can't directly manage. We might charge a, a one-time or sometimes an annual consulting fee to still go through the exact same planning process as anybody else would get, any other of our clients. Obviously, the difference would be that the asset management isn't quite as robust because, you know, obviously we don't have control and discretion and all that stuff. But, uh, but the process is the okay. exact same, whether a client works with us on a consulting approach or on the asset, under, asset management strategy. So, Brandon, do you find that some of the consulting clients eventually become AUM clients? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to your point, you know, you brought up, we did a lot more of that when we were back in our, our MetLife days back early on in our, you know, in, in this journey. And, and a lot of those clients started as consulting, but here we are years later and now they're much more comfortable with us and, you know, willing to have us help with that. So I think that's part of why we still offer it again, especially for our younger advisors. It, it, it opens up some doors. Uh, it, it, it lets the advisor and the client build a lot of trust before necessarily turning it over. Um, you know, that said, obviously it is more upfront for the client as opposed to an asset management approach where, you know, hopefully they stick with us to, to give us a shot, but you know, generally speaking, you're paying as you go. Sure. So, so most of the clients, you have some control of the assets, either discre discretionary or non-discretionary, right? In some fashion. Yep. Um, so how do you manage the assets? Do you actually run portfolios or do you have outside managers, networks, how do you do that? Yeah, good question. We, so we, we run everything in-house. So all of the investment strategies are, are you know, in-house here at Mainsail. Um, we, we basically, we use a model approach to that. So we have some sleeves that filter in and then, you know, based on risk tolerance and taxability and, and some of those factors, account size to some degree, 
um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of use the model that, that fits best. And that way we're not, as you know, probably very well, we're not having to track, you know, thousands of different positions. We can really make sure that we have a, a good grasp on what's going on. Yeah, so everyone that has a certain model, whatever percentage they have has the same securities and they may have multiple models, right? So you diversify mm -hmm. that way. Yep, exactly. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. And some, you know, just to expand on that a little bit, some have stocks, some don't, um, right? There, there's some have, more inflationary hedge sleeves in them. Some don't, uh, given what's going on. So there's a little bit of variance as well, just depending on what's going on there right. too. So, so we're ta we're taping this interview on the 15th of July, which is 15 days into the new third quarter of 2022. 2022 began as the worst stock market year in 52 years. So I have to ask you, how'd you do this first half? <laughs> I mean, we're down. <laughs> uh, I think everybody is hurting right now for sure. Uh, so we're down, but but generally speaking, we're down uh, what I would consider anyways, pretty fair. Um, and a big part of that is that, you know, we do have a good chunk of commodities in the portfolio. So that's helped significantly. Uh, you know, to your point, this is the worst uh, six months in the stock market in 52 years, but it's also the worst market in the bond market ever. So um, yes. I think that's a key factor of why we're not down quite as much either is because we really shortened our duration ahead of this. In fact, um, to some degree, we got out of bonds uh, quite a bit ahead of this too. And so that's helped us, you know, significantly <laughs> in managing risk. You beat me too. And many investors who were in dividend stocks had their, had their bonds go worse than their stocks for the first half. So that's a pretty rough, pretty rough to start for the year, but. So have you had a lot of clients just say, hey, Brandon, I'm sick of this. I want to get out of here. I don't like it. Sell me out. Have you had any of that kind of bizarre activity? I feel very, very fortunate to say that we've had one in this, in this, you know, seven months or so into the year. Um, and they, and they, you know, we were able to, to kind of chat through it and, uh, and they're comfortable with sticking the course now, but they were, they were at a point where they were getting really close to breaking. And so uh, obviously, you know, we're able to kind of adjust a little bit for them. Yeah, but luckily, you know, we were able to kind of, kind of keep the cooler heads and uh, <laughs> and push on there. So, so I, so I have to ask you, why do you think all these people have stayed? Right? Why isn't our industry falling apart and everyone leaving because everyone lost a lot of money in the first half? So, what do you think the reason that would be, and why you've done so well in client retention? I think that is that is an awesome question. And I think, by the way, this is probably an industry thing too. So, so I don't think it's just us necessarily. I think a lot of people are keeping their assets. Some clients are, you know, are pleased with what they're seeing. And, and the reason for that, I believe, is because basically the last two years, it didn't matter what you put money in, everything was going up. And so we had this period where it was kind of, you know, it, it was very easy to make money regardless of, of, you know, how much thought went into it. Now we're at a point where I think advisors really make show the most value. We make a lot less, but I think we show a lot more value in these periods because we are managing risk and we're being thoughtful in how we're we're handling those portfolios. You know, nobody likes to peel off chips off the table when when the markets are screaming at the end of 2021. Uh, but obviously, it feels a lot better today. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, great. So tell us um, a little bit more about what you think makes your practice and your company unique. Sounds like you have a lot of great things going on. How do you, how do you differentiate yourself when you talk to a client? Why is it 
you guys than the random firm down the block or the wirehouse uh, across town? Yeah, I think I think we've touched on a lot of it so far. I mean, I think uh, I know this is the biggest buzzword out there, comprehensive planning. But the, but I believe that we do take a entirely different approach to that. You know, I think there's a lot of cash flow analysis out there, and and I don't call that planning at all. I call that cash flow analysis. Um, you know, really looking at tax planning, really looking at estate planning, and not just pushing it off to other professionals, but but taking on to the extent we can what we can and helping our clients through that. So I think that's a big part of it. I think the money management in house is, is a big part as well, rather than, you know, using a third party or using a, you know, uh, I'm just using the wirehouse as an example, but, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, kind of an in-house solution like that for, for a giant firm. I think that has really helped us. Um, so I think those are really the, the two key pieces. Obviously, we are fiduciary, which helps as well. Sure. But but I think all that in combination and, and kind of the team approach are really what make us stand out and what you know what resonates with people who start working with us. That's great. And uh, since you do manage your own portfolios, what what is the general strategy? Are you guys relative strength, book value, trend followers? What how do you do it? Yeah, so we we do use kind of a standard allocation for our starting point. Um, so we we do use asset allocation, and then from there we will use relative strength and momentum to make some decisions along the way. So um, and and to be clear, although we start with that asset allocation, I I do believe the sixty forty conversation is, you know, it's something that needs to uh, to be reassessed in the current world. And so, although that's the starting point, we are not afraid to deviate where, where need be. Okay. So generally, go ahead, sorry. The 60-40 is dead, right? You got to move around it. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think this year is, has shown that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Especially if you have dividend, dividend stocks and long bonds. It's not been good. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, good. Well, this has been a really great, interesting uh, view into your practice and how you developed it. it sounds like you have a great thing going and you can tell your passion and, 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 and what you do for clients. They, they like you, they like what you're doing. They like that you really care about them. You're obligated to do that because you're a fiduciary, but you're not doing it only because you're obligated. You really like doing it. And that's evident. So. Thank you. I'm glad, glad to see that that comes out because it's definitely, definitely true. Yeah. So, um, we're basically going to be viewed by about 300 financial advisors in the next couple of weeks. And then over the next year or so, probably a thousand financial advisors. So imagine Brandon, that you're in an auditorium. Okay. You're, you're in the auditorium, you're on stage and you're talking to all these people right now and you have a message that you can send them right now. What would you say? What would you like to tell our industry about, about your practice, about the industry or anything? So I think, I think I'll switch gears a little bit just because I think we've talked about our practice uh, at, at maybe a good extent. But if you are, I think the key in our industry is that there's not a lot of this going on. Like Brian, you are, you are a step ahead here in, in, in hosting a podcast. This is not normal in our industry. And I think if I could like pound the table a million times, it would be to get yourself out there. Uh, I, I just don't think there's enough of this going on. I think people are holding their cards too close to their chest, whether, you know, whether it's because they're nervous to get out there or 
don't feel like they want to offer free advice. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure, but, but I do think that we as an industry should be getting out there more and educating the public in general. And I promise you, if you will do it, opportunities will come as well. So it's not like that, you know, there's no, no benefits on the other side, side of that road either. Right. So if you provide value, they will come. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Right. Yeah, that's great. Well, and the social media is an important thing. I think a big part of our industry uh, has a problem with it because they can't control it. And there's, there's certainly a compliance element there, but that, that's where independent advisors and fiduciaries have a much greater advantage over the industry with those heavy compliance shops in New York and all that oppressive uh, you know, rules and things like that. We have rules, but they're different. Yeah. Uh, they're good rules, but they're not overly uh, oppressive, if you will. So that's great, Brandon. Well, thank you. Thank you uh, for being today with us on the Financial Advisors Workshop. Uh, we'll check in perhaps again next year, see how things are going, get a little more insight. Um, I love Seattle. So when we come out to Seattle, we're going to check, kind of going to check you out and come in and say hi. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be great. Let me know. Maybe grab a beer. Uh, so for all the great people at, at Four Star, uh, on behalf of those, our, our great team here in Chicago and all around the country, and then for all the, all the people here on Adams Street, uh, Chicago as well, who are all joining us today. Uh, want to thank you very much for being on the Financial Advisors Workshop, Brandon, and uh, have a great weekend, and thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. You have a good weekend as well. And everybody, thanks for being with us uh, today in the Financial Advisors Workshop. Be sure to give us a five out of five ranking, uh, because Brandon's a nice guy, and we want to get noticed, right? Uh, and uh, thanks, everybody. We'll be back with another great interview with another really smart. We have great people in this industry, and we're just trying to display who these folks are. Brandon, you're certainly one of them. So we'll be back with some more great interviews. And thank you very much, everybody, for being with us. Thank you again, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Again, our biggest goal here is to help you grow your financial advisor practice to 100 million and beyond. So don't forget to download our guide on all the tips, strategies, and tricks I personally use to grow my practice to 100 million and beyond in managed assets by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. And if you're a financial advisor looking for more freedom, higher margins, better training, please set up a consultation to discuss joining our team by going to fourstarwealth.com forward slash advisors. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until the next Financial Advisor Workshop, keep on growing out there, everyone.